You're listening to Pack Life, and this is your host, Melly. If you're interested in a bigger, better, more fulfilling life for you and your companion animals, then you're in the right place. Let's go. Hello, everybody. Today on Pack Life, we are talking about one of my favorite topics, and that is play playing with your dog. And when I first got a dog, I had no idea that there was so much behind this topic. It is one of the best ways to bond with your dog. It's one of the best ways to gain the respect and trust of your dog. It is one of the best ways to help your dog fulfill drives that they have, which in turn helps with behaviors. It helps them to feel tired and fulfilled and less frustrated in life. So endless benefits to learning to play with your dog, endless benefits for you as a human to step away from your busy life and get a little more joy in your day to day. And I had huge paradigm shifts when I started learning about play from people who knew much more than I did. And I want to share some of that with you today. When I started working with dogs, I realized, oh, wow, all dogs are different. Those of you who have many dogs have known this from the time you were little, but for me it was new that play styles are unique and play styles are very different. I often get pet parents coming to our training facility saying, hey, my dog doesn't fetch. Can you teach my dog to fetch or can you teach my dog to do X, Y, or Z game that I would like them to play? What I think works a lot better is saying, what does my dog actually like already? uninfluenced by me and can I make a game out of that? Your dog is much more likely to be interested in the game if you are following their lead and I think it's more fun for us as well because when you see your dog light up there's a dopamine hit that happens for us versus watching your dog feel ho-hum about an activity you're trying to get them to engage in. Today's show is going to be an overview of a lot of the concepts that I was introduced to early on about play that really changed how I play with dogs and later episodes will deep dive into these areas. My goal today is just expand the information that you have access to and the awareness you have about what's possible in play and then later we'll do a lot more practical deep dives about how to use these things to change the way you engage with your dog. All the content I'm going to share today is stuff that I learned from some really great people and I find these three people so incredible that I think they deserve their own spotlight for the body of work that they do. And at the end of the show, I'll give a shout out to my main sources and inspirations for a lot of this content, as well as link them in the show notes. The first big paradigm shift for me came from understanding that play mimics behaviors that are going to help to support dogs survival later in life. So it's how they practice behaviors that are going to help them to do things like hunt, for example, when they get older. And what I find really interesting is many species will play when they're in the younger and juvenile stages, and then when they reach full adulthood, they stop playing. But there are other species that play throughout their whole lives. And I think that this is one of the reasons that dogs and humans get along so well, is we will continue playing even when we're older, just because it's joyful and fun. When I say it's behaviors that will help them to hunt, I am talking about the predatory cycle which is a series of steps that can be all together intact, everything from noticing there's something in the distance, stalking it, chasing it, biting it, killing it, dissecting it, consuming it, all of that, and I'm sure I'm missing a couple, are part of the predatory cycle. 
And when dogs are playing, there are different parts of that cycle that they're gonna find really interesting naturally. And a lot of this has to do with breeding. Herding lines, for example, humans have selectively bred them to really enjoy the stalk and the chase, but not the kill bite, because then they would be destroying the um, sheep that they are there to help us herd. And so we've done that with lots of different breeds and then we have mixed breeds and then we have dogs from the street. And so it's kind of a mixed bag what your personal dog is gonna enjoy from this cycle. But starting to pay attention to what they enjoy doing on their day-to-day will help. And in later episodes, I will deep dive about each of these phases and how you can really tune in if your dog likes it to playing with that part of the cycle. Also, J-Jack, who is one of my favorite humans who teaches about play, and I'll reference him more later in the show, added a celebration piece to this cycle that lands between possessing something and dissecting it. We'll get into nitty-gritty details about that, but for now, just know if you have a dog that gets something that they've been working hard for and they seem excited about it, you can lean in with them and celebrate with them like, wow, you got it. You can run around with them while they have it in their mouth. Um, You can pretend you want it and let them like show you how hard they work to get this toy. And I'm excited for future shows where I can deep dive into possession but for now just don't be afraid of that moment especially if your dog is chest out tail wagging running around like that's a really awesome time to celebrate with them that was an intro to the predatory cycle and what i want to segue into now is the different types of games that you can play with dogs and that they can fit into these two large categories of competitive versus cooperative games so a competitive game would be something like tug me versus you and a cooperative game would be something more like fetch me and you working together i throw it you bring it back i throw it you bring it back we are working together as a team to complete this circle of throw and retrieve and throw and retrieve some dogs really like cooperative games and some dogs naturally crave a little more competition or conflict in their life you can see this in humans too there are some humans that love to like debate and they think it's fun to have that little bit of conflict back and forth. And then there are humans who really shy away from it and debating is probably one of their worst nightmares, like public speaking. So what impacts which your dog is into, right? And how do you figure out which of these two your dog is more into, likes the best, or if they have an even split of liking both? And several factors play into this. The first would be breed characteristics, like we were talking about with where on the um, predatory cycle, what things are intact from that cycle and what things are not. The second is your individual dog. They're all individuals. So even among a breed group, you may have a dog that is a herding dog that really loves tug and doesn't wanna chase anything. Totally fine, totally okay. The other thing that can influence this is the environment they grew up in and what do other animals and humans that they really care about find exciting because dogs do learn through mimicry, through observation and through copying what they see. And so sometimes you can get a dog into something without ever trying to make them like it just by pretending you really like it over and over like if you stand in the yard by yourself and focus on it and play with it by yourself like you're having a great time often the dogs will be like well what's what's that what are you what are you doing over there and then whether the dogs around them play with it or humans they can pick up on that behavior and start to find that item or that thing or that game very valuable because what they really valued initially was your attention and now you're doing it together even though i'm saying that i wouldn't 
start there, I would start with, can you match what your dog already loves instead of trying to convince them to love something that they are not naturally into by pretending you love it so much? Okay, so we talked about predatory cycle. We talked about these two big categories that some games are competitive and some games are cooperative. And the final thing I want to touch on is that for it to be a true game, it has to have a goal, it has to have rules, and it has to have penalties. And a lot of times when I ask people, okay, what is the goal of, let's say, a conflict-based game, Tug? What is the goal of Tug? People have said to me, oh, to bond with my dog, to get exercise, to um, run around together. But what I'm actually asking is, what is the goal in terms of the game itself? And the goal would be to try to get the thing that the other person has or the other dog has and possess it. It's a possession game. I want this. You want this. We are both pulling at it and trying to see who's going to come out on top with this thing. And so I think the reason this helps humans in terms of play is, I'll see two dogs playing tug and they're like both trying to get a rope and one dog gets it. That dog is going to run from the other dog, maybe showboat a little bit, maybe like, I got it. You can't get it. The other dog's going to try to get it. And once they both lock in again, the tug resumes again. Humans often, when they're playing tug with dogs, will like pull back and forth, pull back and forth. They'll win and then they'll toss it away. And that doesn't really make sense to the dog if you were tugging. Now we're combining a competitive and a cooperative game. And dogs eventually figure out anything with us and they figure out strange games, unique games with their own families and with their own other dogs. So it doesn't mean that your dog won't learn how to do that. But naturally, it's a little confusing. It's gonna take them longer to figure out what's going on versus if I get the tug toy and then pretend I want it, kind of run away. That's gonna really excite my dog. Like, oh my God, she's got it. I wanna get it. Quick side note, if you have a dog that's dealing with aggression issues, please reach out to a trainer for the best ways to play with this dog. It does not mean you can't play, but I don't want you to do something that you think is going to be really fun and then it winds up exacerbating the situation. And it's nuanced when you're dealing with aggression, when you're dealing with bite history, and when you're dealing with resource guarding. So please seek a professional to help you with that. Once the dog and the human understand the rules, and understand the goal of the game. Now we can play and it's like a universal language. In one of Ivan's seminars, who I'll reference later, he talked about soccer, how you can take kids from different um, countries that don't speak the same language and put them all on a soccer field. And if they know the game, instant bonding, instant connection, and we don't need the actual language. So once we unlock games with dogs in a way that makes sense to the dog, we really have a tool to bond and connect as a new person that gains us trust a lot faster. Okay, so let's take Tug for example to see if we have a goal, a rule, and a penalty. The goal would be possession. I want this rope, you want this rope. The rule is you can bite anywhere on the rope, but you cannot bite my hand. If you do bite my hand, the game is gonna go dead for a little bit. And then we're gonna play again. You know, having goals, rules, and penalties that make sense to you and to the dog really allows it to be a great game. And the other component that's important for it to be a great game is that you want it to feel pretty evenly matched. If you have, let's say a basketball game and there's one team who's really good and another team who sucks and they're playing each other, maybe the team who is really good is gonna show up and cheer on their team for a little bit, but it's not gonna be an exciting game. It's not that fun for the people on the court who are winning or for the people who are losing, and those games tend to like drag on. What makes it a really addictive, exciting, and fun game is when you have a more evenly matched scenario. So when you are playing with dogs, if it is a competitive game like Tug, 
you want to make it a challenge for your dog. Sometimes your dog is going to win. Sometimes you're going to win. And you want to go all in on this game while you're playing. And what I mean by that is you are like actually trying to pretend you're a dog and get that thing with them. It is going to make a big difference in how your dog receives the play session and the amount of benefit that both you and your dog are going to get from it. And I think that's as much time as I have in this show to go through this, but we will deep dive. I will later have resources where I'm posting videos and stuff to make some of this visual because talking about play and seeing play are two totally different things. One more time to echo, if you have a dog that has a bite history, is dealing with aggression, is dealing with resource guarding, please seek out a trainer. Find some professional help to teach you how to play safely with that dog before trying to put any of this into practice. But for all dogs, what you can start doing now is paying attention to the way your dog plays, paying attention to when you're trying to get them to do something you want them to do that they're not that into. And for maybe some things that you disregarded before that now you can do that will be really fun for your dog. An example, like the claw, I would call it the claw. So like a dog has something in their mouth and they're really enjoying possessing it. For some dogs, the most fun part is knowing that a human wants it and can't get it. So instead of an actual tug where I'm grabbing the rope, I might stand in one place in the yard and just look at the toy that's in their mouth and like pretend with two claws, even from 10 feet away, like do a quick step, like I'm gonna try to make a move for it and they're gonna run and they're so happy and they're gonna come back in front of me and then I'm gonna make a move, like I'm gonna try to get it and they're gonna run. And that is very fun for a lot of dogs. They don't need you to touch the toy ever. The human is barely even moving and the dog will just run around the yard knowing that you want what they have and you cannot have it. Versus another dog who doesn't care about toys at all and just wants personal play. Personal play would be playing with your physical body and the dog's physical body. So like, tap, I got you and I'm going to run away. Or my dog, we have a personal play game where I'll have him hold in a sit or just stand still while I walk away and then I'll say break and then he'll chase me and I'll run in a lot of different directions and he's trying to catch me. And then when he catches me, we celebrate together. And it's the silliest game, but it is really just the best. Okay, so it's time to shout out and introduce you to some of the amazing people that have influenced my journey into play, and I hope you enjoy hearing about them as much as I enjoyed meeting them and learning from them. The first company I'd like to talk about is Dogs Playing for Life. Amy Sadler is the founder of this organization, and what they do is go into shelter environments, rescue environments, places where dogs are in enclosures all day waiting to find a new home and typically not getting enough activity. Typically what happens is while the dogs are in these environments, there's not enough people and resources to get them out to the extent that anyone who's working with them day to day would like to see. And a quick sidebar, just to shout out anyone listening to this that works in a shelter environment. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what you do. It takes grit and it takes a lot of heart and a sincere love of dogs. You are amazing. If you have friends that do this, give them extra hugs. They are amazing. Okay, so back to how Dogs Playing for Life is helping dogs in shelters. When dogs are in this environment, typically they are not showing their best colors. 
often because they're scared, they're in a new place, it's loud, lots of new stimulus to deal with, and then they don't have enough energy outlets, enough mental stimulation, any socialization. And so it's really hard to get a read on who this dog actually is in terms of rehoming them and whether or not they're okay to play with other dogs or enjoy engaging with other dogs. I know even my personal dog is fine with being around dogs and we've gone to dog parks for most of his life and we see dogs all the time. In that environment, I think he would be barking at other dogs and other people just because he'd be scared. So Dogs Playing for Life teaches teams that work in these environments how to get dogs to socialize and get them out in a yard together. And what that means is multiple dogs get to go out at one time. They're meeting social, emotional, mental, and physical needs in a very different way than they were before. And they get to go out more times a day typically than they would if they required one human at a time to go in and take one individual dog for a walk. Now this work is risky for sure because you don't know what you're gonna get and it is brave work and this company has pioneered so much that I have seen with play and play groups and how to give dogs a chance at socializing. So big shout out to Amy Sadler and Dogs Playing for Life. If you have the ability to support this company, please do. It's through Dogs Playing for Life that I attended a seminar where they hosted Ivan, terrible at pronouncing his last name, but we'll also include him in the show notes. And he is very famous in the dog world for working with Malinois and getting amazing results in bite sports and many other things. But for me as a pet parent, what was the most striking thing about him was how he played with the dogs. He literally turns into a dog. It's like watching a human become a dog and play with the dogs. So it was fascinating. And then to realize that these big, tough dogs that he works with that go out and compete running and chasing down decoys and biting them, just amazing dogs doing real intense stuff. He trained all of them with the foundation of play. And he got this incredible obedience and this incredible drive by playing with these dogs. Prior to his seminar, I knew I could train dogs with food and by using toys that they were interested in, but I did not realize I was totally missing the play component and the bonding that happens with the play and how that translates to better communication overall and better quality in your training. So he was a huge influence in the way I interact and play with dogs today. Also, my business partner, Rebecca, just finished his really intensive, in-depth training without conflict certification. So shout outs to Rebecca. And for any dog trainers who are listening, this was an incredible certification and she's already bringing back such great information to our team. So I highly recommend it. The last person I'm gonna reference in this podcast is J-Jack. And I love J-Jack so much that we brought him, our company brought him to Miami to do a live seminar with us about play and Jay Jack had a lot of background in working with bully breeds which are often some of the dogs that our clients have the toughest time trying to fulfill their needs and Jay Jack has created a whole dog sport called GRC dog sport that is friendly to any breed but really focuses on the kinds of drives that dogs who like a little more competition in their life are going to go for. Um, and it's going to fulfill them. Clearly, I am a raving fan of all three of these people, and you should definitely check them out. And links to all their stuff will be in the show notes. Okay, so this has been a lot. I am really excited for future shows about this. I nerd out on this stuff. You can probably tell how excited I am talking about play. And in the meantime, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. If you like the show, please subscribe, leave me a review. It goes such a long way when you're starting a podcast. 
Thank you for your time and attention. I consider that your most valuable resource and I'm grateful that you would spend it listening to this show. I hope you have a great day and include some fun playing with your dog. Music